isn't life just crazy? It's crazy, right? Show of hands. How many of you think life is crazy? It's absolutely insane. And if you didn't raise your hand, you will probably come to this conclusion at some point in your life because that's just how life is. It's crazy. Maybe you've uh, taken a step back and you've just looked at whatever it is that's surrounding you and thought, man, this is literally insane. And maybe you're thinking that because you stepped back and you saw how good God was and how good he has been in your life and you couldn't even comprehend the goodness of God. Maybe though you've stepped back and you've thought, what is going on? God, what are you doing? It's just crazy. I remember uh, when my wife and I, we were in college and we were getting ready to graduate. We were looking uh, for a place where we could serve in student ministry and we started looking around and we got excited as we began doing it. But we also got pretty nervous because, you know, it's me and we weren't, even, we weren't married yet. Uh, we were getting married after we graduated. So newly married, just graduated college. I was 21, she was 22. And it's like, who can, like, is God going to let us do this? Like, this is crazy for us to be doing this. Not only that, what kind of crazy church is going to hire, you know, a newlywed, fresh out of college, 21 and 22-year-old to come in and lead all their teenagers? You guys are that crazy church. (laughs) And uh, we're thrilled to be here. But I just remember thinking, man, that's so crazy, We began the search, we found you guys, we fell in love with this church. God blessed us in that we were able to come and serve here. We used to, during this time, we would would have these dates, we we still have dates now, but we would have these dates where we would, uh, Lydia would go out and she would get like a cheap canvas and paint and paintbrushes and we would just sit and we would like just paint whatever, just just have fun, something to do together. And uh, I remember thinking, man, this is all just so crazy. And it was on my mind, I don't know if it was because there was a message or if it was in my devotion, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was on my mind, this story of Peter walking on the water and thinking, man, that's crazy. And the statement that kept coming into my head was that crazy things take crazy faith. So that night, I painted this picture right here. You can see it blown up on the screen. Judge my painting all you want, but I made this sign, said crazy things take crazy faith. We're faced with crazy opportunities in life. And we're faced with crazy oppositions in life. And when those crazy things come our way, it's going to take crazy faith. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14 today. And if you haven't guessed it already, we're going to look at a part of scripture where Jesus walks on the water And Peter does it as well. That's a miracle. Many of you know this story. But if not, I'll give a little bit of context. Jesus had just performed the miracle of of feeding thousands of people. He fed thousands of people with one boy's lunch. Just some fish and some bread. Can you imagine if I went down to to Raising Cane's right down the road and I picked up the Caniac, which is like, that's the big meal. That's the big one. Picked up the Caniac, brought it here, and then attempted to feed all 300 or so of you in here. It's not going to go well, right? There's no way I could do it. Well, Jesus fed thousands 
It says 5,000 men. Include their families. It's probably anywhere between 10 and 15,000 that he was feeding with one boy's lunch. That's a miracle. That's something that I could not do at all. I could feed maybe two or three of us with a caniac, depending on how hungry we are. Like that, it's just not something that I could do. But God could do it. And it's pretty crazy. But if we're honest, can we all just acknowledge that the Bible, God's word, is full of some pretty crazy, crazy stuff. Like when you read it, there's some things that you'll see and be like, man, that's really weird. Or, wow, that was very violent. Very graphic even at times. Like the Bible is just full of some pretty crazy, crazy stuff. After this great miracle that Jesus does, he goes to be alone and pray, and he sends the disciples across the Sea of Galilee. Before we get into the rest of what this passage has to hold, I think it's good for us to pause right here and notice something that Jesus modeled for us that we have a hard time doing ourselves. And that's when you're surrounded by the craziness of life, stopping, taking a step back, getting alone, and just praying. Jesus did it. And if Jesus did it, that means that we probably should be doing it as well. There's crazy things that come into our life. And when they do, it's good for us to stop, get away, and pray. Spending time seeking the will of the Father. Spending time communing with just you and God. Jesus did this so well, but it's so hard for us to do at times. This brings us to verse 22 of Matthew chapter 14, where we'll start. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. That's Jesus pausing, taking a step back, getting alone, spending the time to pray. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, or very late at night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, or it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Before we get into what I think we can learn from this story, is it okay if we pray before we get started? Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for all that you have done for us. I'm so thankful for your word and the stories that we have in it, the true stories that we have in it, and the lessons that we can learn from it. God, I pray that you'd help me to speak clearly and that I would not be an obstacle to what the message is that you would have for the people to hear. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The first thing that I see 
uh, Peter doing in this passage that we can learn is this. When you're surrounded by craziness, you should, number one, ask specifically for what you want God to do. Ask specifically for what you want God to do. Peter made it very clear what he wanted. Jesus comes walking on the water. The disciples see him. They all kind of freak out and say, ah, it's a ghost. And then he says, don't be afraid. It's me. You don't have anything to worry about. And Peter says, oh, well, since it's you, can I come out onto the water too? Can I walk on the water too? He said very specifically, he said, God, this is what I would want you to do is allow me to walk out onto the water so that I can come to you. He didn't uh, sugarcoat it. He didn't try to hide it in any way. He didn't uh, give like mixed messaging. He just said to God, this is what I want you to do. He very clearly told God what it was that he wanted. Guys, we have some, some crazy things that are happening or are about to happen just here in this room. Some of them are crazy awesome. Some of them are crazy scary. We just have a lot of stuff that's crazy. Crazy things take crazy faith. We are about to bring 66 teenagers to camp with 10 leaders. Is that crazy awesome or crazy scary? A little bit of both. It's, it's going to be an amazing week. I know that much. Logan just started the fight of his life. It's crazy scary. Brock Andrews is getting to try some new things to, to help with his Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Uh, Jason Paulson is about to go back on full chemo treatments again because his cancer is coming back. Uh, my wife and I, we're about to, I keep pointing over here because she sat here in the first service. My wife and I, uh, we're about to have a baby. Again, crazy awesome, crazy scary. Pastor Dave and many of you in this room are about to leave and go plant Thrive Church in Dublin, Ohio. Crazy awesome. Crazy scary. There's just a lot of crazy things going on. If we can learn anything from Peter, though, we can learn that we should ask specifically for what it is that we want God to do. We want God to work in the lives of our teens and in our leaders as we go to camp. We want God to heal Logan's cancer. We want these new opportunities that Brock is getting to work. We want God to heal Jason's cancer. We want our baby to be born healthy and we want to raise it in a Christ-honoring way. We want Thrive Church to reach the Dublin area, to further the gospel. That's what we want. Are we asking for it? Are we asking specifically for it? Pastor Dave said at the beginning, we get, uh, we get caught up with these prayers sometimes and kind of fake prayers. Are you begging God for what it is that you want him to do? It's what Peter did. That's what we should do. James tells us in chapter 4 that we, should, that we have not because we just don't even ask. We have not because we ask not. What do you want God to do when you are faced with a crazy opportunity? What do you want God to do when you're faced with a crazy opposition? Ask him. Ask specifically for what you want God to do. Because we have all these crazy things going on, we're going to ask God specifically what we would have him to do. But then, point number two, we have to prepare ourselves for God's answer. We have to be prepared for God's answer. 
We don't know what it is he's going to answer, but we have to prepare ourselves as best we can for his answer. Uh, when I was a teen, I still do this every now and then, but mainly when I was a teenager, I used to, uh, you know, I would ask people for things. I, one of my downfalls, one of my weaknesses is I tend to be a little materialistic. I just like stuff. I just do. It's a weakness of mine. I'm not perfect. I'm working on it. I just, I just like stuff. And I remember there would be people, uh, like let's say one of my friends would get a new phone or something. And I would say, I would go up to them and be like, dude, that's a sweet phone. That's really cool. They would show me stuff on it. I'd be like, hey, you know, if, if you ever are like, you know, just want to get this off your hands, I'm your guy. Like, I'll, I'll take it for you. No problem. Like, if you want to give it to me, you can. Like, that's totally fine with me. You know, I just figured, you know, you ask not because you have not, right? Or you have not because you ask not. So I would just, just go for it. And I remember I, we would drive around and it'd be me and my mom in the car or something. I was a teenager and I would, I would see like a cool truck. And I'm like, that truck is sweet. And I'm like, mom, just put the car in park. I'll hop out of the car and I'll knock on his window and say, hey, can I have your truck? And she's like, no, I'm not letting you do that because my mom was not as crazy as I was. And I would just ask for stuff just randomly, just, just because. Could you imagine though, could you imagine if... I said, Mom, park the car. I'm going to hop out and ask for his truck. Okay. So she parked the car, let me out of the car. I knock on his window and say, hey, I know that your truck probably cost you $70,000, and this is going to sound crazy, but can I have it? (laughs) What if, imagine with me, if he looked at me and said, actually, it cost me $80,000, but I'll tell you what, you can have it. I mean, first of all, that would be awesome, right? It'd be really, really cool. But secondly, I don't know what I would do. I, like, I would probably just stand there like, okay, yeah, sure. Thanks for getting my hopes up. Like, that's what I would think, right? Because there's no way that he would say yes to this crazy question, right? I would not be prepared for his answer. Sometimes we ask God to do something that's absolutely crazy, but then we're not even ready for him to say yes. We don't expect him to say yes when he's ready to do so. Uh, I was 15 I had just gotten my permit, and uh, my neighbor at the time, in, in Newark, when I lived in Newark, my neighbor at the time, he really liked cars, and he had all these nice cars and stuff, and he had just gotten a Porsche. I had just got my permit. I had it for like two weeks. I went over there and said, hey, nice Porsche, can I drive it? Thinking, there's no way. I mean, I just got my permit. And he said, yeah, sure. And I was like, what? Like, I remember standing there just looking at him. And he was like, well, are you going to go let your parents know or what? And so I went, told my parents, I wasn't ready for him to say yes. When he said yes, I wasn't like, all right, let's go. And I just hopped in and went. I, I wasn't ready for his answer. We ask for these big things, but we're not always ready for the answer that God is going to give us. So here's what we need to, to learn. That we have to trust God when he says yes. Trust God when he says Yes. When we ask for something big, or something small even, and God says, yes, we need to not hesitate. I feel like there's times where uh, God will say, yes, I'm answering your request, and it's like, well, I don't, I, I don't know. If you really want to do that, I, I, you're too good. Like, that's too good of you to do that for me. How, how, I'm not worthy of that. We hesitate. When Peter uh, asked God, if he could ask Jesus if he could walk on the water, and Jesus said, come, the next part of the verse says, and Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water. Like, he didn't hesitate. He just got out of the boat and did it. He didn't hesitate, even though it seemed like such a big, impossible thing. 
When God says yes, we have to trust that he has a purpose in bringing this opportunity into our lives. So we have to trust God when he says yes, but we also have to trust God when he says no. We have to know that God knows what is going on and he sees the big picture. Have you ever thought about the the scope of view that God has because he's omniscient, he knows everything, right? The scope of view that God has. You and your life and your struggles and your difficulty, that's, that's what you know. That's what you know. You know your life, you know the things that surround you. God knows that times everybody, times all past, times all present, times all future, times all eternity. He sees everything. He sees the whole big picture. And so when God says no, he's not just looking at you and your life and your struggles, whether significant or insignificant. He's looking at them and, and sees it. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. This is, the deci- this is what I have planned because I see all of it. It's as if you have a book and God has a book and you see one word in one sentence on one page of the book and God has the entire book. And he knows what happens at the beginning. He knows what happens at the end. He knows what happens every page in between. All you can see is your one word in your one sentence on your one page. And you may think, hey, I I know what's best right now. But all you're seeing is that one word. God sees the whole book. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Right? God's going to work it out for good, but he sees the whole book. And he knows what's good based on this scope of eternity. Not on the scope of your life and what it is specifically that you are going through. It says all things work together for good. We don't get to decide what that good is. God is the one who ultimately decides what that good is. He sees the big picture. Life is crazy. There's crazy things going on. And because of this, we're going to ask specifically for what it is that we want God to do. And we're going to prepare ourselves for God's answer. We're going to trust him both in his yes and we're going to trust him in his no. Matthew chapter 14 verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind boisterous or the storm was getting crazy, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Crazy things take crazy faith. There's some crazy things going on, right? We can all acknowledge that. So we're going to ask specifically for what it is that we would have God to do. We need to prepare ourselves for his answer, trust his yes and trust his no. And then we have to do this, point number three. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. God was already doing crazy things for Peter and the disciples. He had just fed thousands of people. But then they get in the midst of this craziness. He gets his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. Maybe that's happened in your life before. I know it's happened in mine. It's happened even here recently. I told you we have all these people that we're bringing to camp. I'm, I'm so excited about it. I am, I am pumped about what God is doing because he is the one who's brought all these people. He's the one who's gonna bless while we're at camp. I, I can't wait. I really cannot. I, I'm so excited. It's a crazy thing and I know that God's gonna work wonders through it. 
Some of you in this room probably know this because some of you are going to camp. This year, Fort Bluff, or the camp that we go to, they switched up their registration system. It's a new registration system, and it has been a pain. Like, it's just been a, a bear to deal with. Like, it's just, it's just been really terrible. And there have been multiple times, sadly, where I have been so frustrated with this registration system that I, I forget how good God is and what God is doing through us bringing these kids to camp, what God's going to do while we're at camp. I, I let something that's so insignificant in comparison, I let it take my focus off of Jesus and what he's doing. And I started focusing on my issues and my problems. We've all probably done that before. Here's the thing. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, our problems steal our focus. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, that's me. I've just, I've stopped looking to Jesus. Your problems have overtaken your focus. You feel as if you are drowning in the very real issues that are surrounding you. This is how Peter felt. He cried out to God, Lord, save me. Save me from my worry, from my fear. Save me from my doubt. Save me from my lack of faith. Lord, save me. And I love God's response. He takes Peter by the hand. Peter gets his focus back on Jesus. Jesus says, why did you ever doubt me? I had this under control. I'll keep you above the ocean of your opposition if you stay focused on me. The storm that you are facing right now will be calmed as you focus on me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Life is crazy. And crazy things take crazy faith. But what is crazy faith? James 2 tells us that faith without works is dead. So how do we put action to our faith? How are we going to, to put works into this faith? Well, in the midst of our craziness, I think we should do what Peter did. We should ask specifically for what it is that we want God to do. We should prepare for his answer, whether it's yes or whether it's no. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus trusting that he is in control and that he knows exactly what he's doing. And that's crazy. It's crazy to do that. If you were to go out into the world and say, hey, I've been presented with this crazy opportunity or I'm going through this crazy opposition and they say, well, what are you gonna do about it? And you say, I'm gonna ask God specifically what I want him to do. I'm gonna be prepared for his answer and I'm gonna keep my eyes on Jesus. They're gonna like kind of giggle and say, okay, what's your real plan, Right? Because it is crazy. Because you're pretty much saying, God, here it is. It's you. The craziness that I have going on, I'm giving it over to you. Can I challenge us to have some crazy faith? Because we have some crazy opportunities and some crazy oppositions right now. We're about to bring 66 teenagers and 10 leaders to camp. Logan is in the fight of his life. Brock is getting to try some new things for DMD. Uh, Jason Paulson's uh, facing his fight against cancer. My wife and I are about to have a baby. Pastor, Church, or Pastor Dave and many of you in here are going to go plant Thrive Church. 
How many of you would say, I could add to that list of craziness right now? Anybody? We're all just going through crazy stuff. Whether crazy opportunity or crazy opposition, we're surrounded by craziness. And crazy things take crazy faith. Faith. 